welcome to the Destiny podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Through our little study on the church, and um, <clears throat> if you remember the first first week, I said when Jesus was going back to Emmaus with his disciples, he spoke for something like two or three hours, all the way back, um, and he spoke about him himself bringing the Old Testament alive. So we were looking at some of the things that he might have said, uh, particularly about himself and the church, the church being his bride. So, what I found is whenever you read some of, well, all practically of Paul's letters, he'll have a couple of chapters where he says, this is amazing, you know, you are in Christ Jesus, you are up there in heaven with him. And then by the time he comes to chapter 3, he invariably uses the word therefore. Mentioned that last time, didn't I? I told you that the shorthand for therefore is three little dots making a triangle. I remember that bit. <laughs> so we're going to do a little bit more of the therefore, because Paul was never one just to leave it all as theory. So he says to the thief in Ephesians, So, you're saved now. Stop thieving and start uh, earning a living so you can give to the poor. You know, apply it. And he says somewhere else, work out this salvation you've already got. Work it out into your um, everyday life. So I was looking at um, at some of the some of the therefores, and the first one I put is holiness. Now, when I was growing up in an evangelical church, I don't know if I was taught this or whether I just got it in my head. Holiness meant don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, and all the time we just lived in this sort of. Uh, almost a fear, you know. Um, we'd never got the idea that it was a partnership with God. Some people would, before they even left the house, right Lord, which way do you want me to go this morning? Oh, and they get a real nervous. Should I go by there? Should I get the tram? And you feel God say, just do what you want, you know. We're in partnership here. Go out and enjoy yourself. And holiness, in a way, was, was, was part of that, almost a, um, a fear. And I realise much later on that holiness is a beautiful, wonderful, rich thing, you know. So um, all these things that you that you don't do, there's an opposite side to that, and it's what you do do, and it's following God's beautiful, rich pattern, because uh, He wants the very best for our lives. There's some things. He doesn't, he doesn't want us walking in the dirt. He wants us walking in the light because it's good for us and he loves us. And I'll I, I just put down here um, from the Old Testament again. Um, the Israelite kings used to get something like three bad ones and then a good one. Another three bad ones and then a good one. And there was a, um, a good one came on the scene called Josiah. And uh, there had been some horrible things that happened before, before him. There was um, idols in the temple. So when he became king, as uh, just a young boy really, um, I think he was the one who was hidden from his grandmother who was trying to kill all the royal children. And he was hidden away until the time came, Josiah's king. And the first thing he did as, uh, when he'd grown up a bit as king was to cleanse the temple and get rid of all these idols. And they would take them along to the... Um, down to the brook which is like the village tip down at the bottom where there was a perpetual fire burning 
and that was the that was the picture of hell. That was the picture of Gehenna. It was it was the village tip that never never went out except when it rained very very hard. I suppose. So Josiah's reforms, the temple that we talked about last week, had to be beautiful for God. Um, so again, the positive. It was gold on all over everything. Angels there with gold on the wings. It was a beautiful, holy, bright, shining place. So it's the first thing I've got. Holiness is positive. It's not. Don't do this. Don't do other. It's uh, it's positive. Um, I've just finished the book that the teacher gave me yesterday. It's a really good book, but it's also it's almost inevitable not to have um, some yucky stuff, you know. In, in the middle so there's there's adultery and there's, and there's this that and the other just the odd, the odd page here and there and I was thinking again you know compared to what God wants you know it's it's slimy it's dirty it's horrible you know God wants a man and a woman you know to be loyal to each other for life a picture of Jesus and the church so it's not so much well it is he hates things that aren't of him but it's more this is the splendid pattern I've got for you know this is wonderful this is the positive side holiness is positive and um, looking at the church I've got here respect so we talked about respect within the church for, for one another and for the gifts that we um, that, that, that we have uh, and that it's not for us but um, I was thinking here of respect, recognising the church is a lot bigger than just us or where you are in, in Germany. It's not just the local town, your local town church. The church is worldwide. It's it's wonderful. It's massive, and it's full. It's full of surprises. When I was working in now, where was it? Oh, in Saudi Arabia, because I used to put equipment in universities. Um, and I was um, there was there was a mosque being built in the university because um, it was Saudi Arabia, and I met up with this guy. There were, there were a number of them. They were they were all from Korea, South Korea, and they are the workforce of, of the Middle East. I think the army hires them out, so they all had these uh, it's either yellow or orange um, suits on, um, working working things. And I was chatting to this guy, and I said to him, um, very little English, much better than my Korean, but very little English. And I said, uh, I know somebody from Korea. And he said, Oh, who you know? So I said, um, Mr. Yonki Cho. Have you heard of Yonki Cho? Big big preacher in South, the biggest church in the world. It used to be, I don't know if it still is. And... um, so he goes, he said, Yonki Cho. So they all, they all gathered around. How do you know Yonki Cho? I said, very famous in England. Yes, he's our, our pastor. Yonki Cho's our pastor, you see. So I said, oh, you're all Christians. Yes, yes. How many of you are Christians? And out of, there was something like 300 of them there. And over half of them were Christians, you see, because very high, very high percentage. So I said, yeah, but you're building a mosque, you know. Yeah, but, you know, we have little secrets. I think they've been putting Bible verses under the carpet and things like that, you know. Subversive, as we call it. So um, I, I thought it was just a wonderful story. 
so he said you see when you come into Saudi they they will at the customs they will open your suitcase they will allow you to bring one Bible in but if you've got a few Bibles they will take them away he said we're from Korea the Saudis don't understand they don't know about the church oh just let them through so we have all this stuff in our suitcases you know ready to convert the um, ready to convert the Saudis for which you can you know be in big trouble but it was just a surprise to see the church popping up you know all over the place and one evening in Q8 um, I was there with a with another colleague so I said I'm, I'm off for uh, I'm off for tea tonight so I said you've only been here two days you know how do you know anyone so I said well I'm I'm part of the worldwide family. I said, all I do, go along to the local church, Presbyterian church, and um, somebody invites me out for tea. Well, that's strange. No, it's not, because we're all, we're all family together, you know, worldwide. We're all part of this worldwide theme. Psalm 48, and he's talking here, his picture is Zion, which is the part of Jerusalem. It's the, the bit up on, up on the hill where uh, David... Had, had his house, David um, built, well Solomon built the, uh, the temple there are so many reasons to describe God as wonderful so many reasons to praise him with unlimited praise Zion's city is his home he lives on his holy mountain high and glorious, joy filled and favoured Zion mountain looms in the farthest reaches of the north the city of our God King um, and then later on verse 11 so let the people of Zion rejoice with gladness let the daughters of praise leap for joy for God will see to it that you are judged fairly circle Zion go round count her towers look at her walls climb her palaces and then go and tell the coming generation of the care and compassion of our God this is our God, our great God forever. He will lead us onward until the end, through all time and into eternity. So what he's saying is, there's Zion. She's beautiful. Respect her. And Zion, of course, as a lot of the hymn writers know, um, Zion is a future name for, for the church. If you go into, into Wales, you'll see lots of the chapels will be called Zion. Zion Chapel. By the way, when you go into Wales, you can there was a series of great revivals the last one was 1904 but there were others in 1880 and before that and uh, what would happen the, old, the older people would say our children have never seen a revival so they'd all get the prayer meeting going and <laughs> off, off it would go again so my grandma used to tell me about the, uh, about the revivals and she said um, it was so big in 1904 that the newspapers Welsh newspaper had a, had a little map and they would say the revival has got to Llandrinod Wells and other places that Englishmen can't pronounce <laughs> the revival has got to uh, it, well it was Conway where she lived not far from here she lived up on the mountain so they went down to the chapel and nobody had any interest in the theatre there was virtually hardly any crime right, right through Wales in fact um, in I think it was either Swansea or Cardiff there was this ritual where when the judge realises there's no crime he puts on white gloves and says there's no, no crime here 
nothing to judge well hardly ever happened but in the Welsh revival that's what they did pubs closed down that might be sad for some of you it was not, you know people were in the chapel all the time and the local circus had come to town in, in Conway and um, my grandma said she was, she was there in the service they were all singing in Welsh you know singing in tongues which they called the H-W-Y-L the Huel all singing together in, you know fantastic and all of a sudden there was a banging on the door and it was the circus manager you know the guy with the top hat and I'm not sure he had the top hat on there banging away because there was nobody watching the circus you see <laughs> he couldn't get any money out of so he was very angry and he wanted to stop this so they went and uh, they opened the doors and as he stepped in, into the, the threshold he just fell flat on his face out you know overcome by the power of God <laughs> so that was her she was there you know that was that, that was her story so the point I wanted to get over is churches all over the place uh, sorry so when you go into Wales you'll, you'll see that a sort of build a new chapel to get everybody in and the dates would be on the door so if you ever go round Wales just you know look out for the dates and it's usually a revival has happened Um so for me, it's it, this psalm is it's like teaching respect for the church as a whole. Because when I grew up, there was a lot of competition. You know, we're better than them, we're bigger than them. We're evangelicals. We've got the true gospel. You know, they they don't don't really understand what, whatever they were. And we had to learn uh, respect. Now, one of the things we did that the situations God put us in. I told you we started off here, it was a dance and drama group, and we were invited to go all over the place doing uh, the Christmas play and doing the, um, the Easter play, like Oberamagal. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a wonderful time. Very, very difficult sometimes. There was a little town called Neston uh, on the other side of the Mersey from the Wirral, and the only place we could do it was on the pavement. Um, so everybody else was on the other side or most people were on over the side of the road so we were doing the play and every time the big double decker bus came past you know we had to wait a minute before we could carry on talking again but you know we had a wonderful time uh, the catholic school up the road so we learned to to respect other people we learned to respect that the catholic school was was a far better place to uh, to have your kids grow up in a a good environment than the um, you know the, the local state schools um, so when I look at the church in, in Sale on my way home on the bike I will uh, depending on which way I go I'll, I'll be here which is home to uh, Life Church as well we told you the story of that, that what witness that is to share the same place go past St Mary's uh, that's up get up to traffic lights turn left going to Ashton great big church of England there that has about four services every Sunday get people in they're always doing alpha courses there you know great great witness not my not my style of worship I like it at Christmas you know much more Christmassy than than, than, uh, than, than we are particularly the midnight midnight one um, but go past that and I don't think no it's them and them and us we're all part of the same body and then there's another one on Ashton Lane which is the Salvation Army they're a very very strong church 
lots of lots of them around and we're all part of that church together and I've got a prophecy which I'm going to read at the end which which is part of that so respect for the church as a whole because we're all the bride of Christ uh, unity is the other one another therefore is unity so I've not read this in this version yet but when when Jesus knew that he was going to die he he said a lots of things to his disciples and we know that because time was running short what he said would be very very important he wouldn't waste his time on stuff that wasn't so he told them about unity so in John chapter 17 in verse 13 he's just prayed for his disciples and now he says no it's not verse 13 verse 20 and I ask not only for these disciples but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message and this is what is this is his prayer for them I pray that they may all be joined together as one even as you and I father are joined together as one I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me so Jesus is saying I am in the Father the Father is in me and the Holy Spirit like the, like the shack portrays very well and um, what Baxter Kruger the book I, I love reading says he wants us to be in that fellowship Father, Son, Holy Spirit and us the human race part of that so I think that's the first thing but when we're all in him then we are all together aren't we we can't we can't all we can't all be in him and not be not not be one with with one another and that's a great witness to the to the world the devil loves it when there is disunity in the church so during all the troubles in the uh, in ireland people would say that all the time you know we're going to work not much of an example is it catholics fighting the uh, the protestants and they're all talking about battles that they fought 200, 300 years ago, you know. No unity, a lot of hatred. And it was a very, very uh, bad example for Christianity and a very good example for the devil and, uh, and, and, and disunity. So when Christians are together, like I told you, when had the meeting here and um, people were saying, what a witness for the two churches to be so close together like this. So, I'll check. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you these notes, so that should be verse 20. Uh, see, very easy to be proud. And um, so I've got, therefore, humility. And in Philippians chapter 2, that's another one, I'll give you these notes with, they're not detailed, but it's got the verses down there. But in Philippians chapter 2, he calls for humility Philippians chapter 2 here we are and verse <clears throat> verse 3 be free from controversial or pride filled opinions they will only harm your cherished unity don't allow self promotion to hide in your hearts but in authentic real humility put others first 
and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to your friends instead of your own interests. Consider the example that Jesus the Anointed One has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God. It's easy to just say those words so quick, but he was in the form of God in highest heaven, in glory, worshipped by the angels. But he gave no thought to seizing that alone as his supreme prize. He emptied himself instead of his outward glory. He reduced himself to the form of a lowly servant. Now think of it. Getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. He became a human being. He lived in a body like ours. He humbled himself. He became vulnerable. Choosing to be revealed as a man. He listened to the Father and was obedient to everything heard. He was a perfect example. didn't just become a man. He actually died a criminal's death by crucifixion. And then he goes on to say, Because of that, every tongue will proclaim Jesus is Lord. So, follow his example. Empty yourself of you know, anything, anything to do with pride. Because uh, we talked about that with the gifts. It's so easy to think, um, oh, I'm a prophet, I can speak this and speak that, you know. Um, and forget prophets just there for, for everybody else to pass on God's word to, to other people not not for themselves so humility and then the last one but that could be pages and pages long um, love which is what John's, John's gospel is all about again and again and again and again it talks about God's love for us that just never stops keeps going on and on and on and anything that's true Christianity in us will bubble over as love okay so there's lots there's lots there so I've run those off for you sorry I'll go on so it's an overview at the beginning so you can uh, all, all the verses are there and you can you can uh, remind yourselves so the church. Right. Um, this little thing here has helped me enormously. There's all sorts of different versions of it. But it's just, I don't know who did it actually. Um, who I am in Christ. So sometimes I'll just sit down and just remind myself of who I am in Christ so it's key Bible verses and for me um, some people just Christians seem to get on in life without without reading the word at all I think sometimes it's a reaction to the way we were brought up as evangelicals um, I will we have to do is promise I promise to read the Bible and pray to him every day it's a good thing but it's, it doesn't come it, from it, the right place, does it? Yeah, it's legalistic. And, yeah. and up to a couple of years ago, well, even now, I wake up in the middle of the night and, oh, I've not read my Bible today. And I have, because I always do, because I want to. Yeah. So when I read the Bible now, I'll say, I'm reading this because I want to. 
<laughs> not because not because I have to but it's very very therapeutic as a big word very very helpful because uh, this mind is not very reliable at all uh, sometimes I can come down and I can just pray like this morning for instance I couldn't and my mind hit up the kitten was playing down here the new kitten and I was distracted here and I thinking of what I was going to do and I'm sorry Lord I'm, I'm worshipping you I'm distracted <laughs> um, but I find that homing in on, on the Bible helps me enormously so yesterday I'd, I'd not seen this for a bit so I just sat there in a chair I am God's child like I think Andy's probably told us Abba Father I am your child and when I think of that even when I let him down it's not oh he's going to kill me for this it's more I'm coming to you as a son my my dad heavenly dad wants the best for me he knows I struggle with this that and the other grumpiness bad temper <laughs> other things um, but when I come to him and say I'm sorry I know I'm coming to a father who'll say you know I'm here to help I've got an elder brother called Jesus who's been through all the temptations he knows what he's like so that one's very special to me as a disciple I am a friend of Jesus Christ John 15 here's a power I am united with the Lord I am one with him in spirit I've been bought with a price I belong to God I'm a member of Christ's body I am adopted it's one of my favourites Ephesians chapter 1 I have been chosen by God and I am adopted as his child and I read recently that in Roman law um, although you could kick your own son off if you didn't you know if he dishonoured you you could disown him but if you adopted a son you couldn't an adopted son was there for life whatever he did so I am adopted so there's, there's loads of those there I am secure I am significant um, but you can do your own write your own bible verses down and you know when you're feeling a bit muggy foggy Christian wise you don't feel anything you can't feel God's there that word never changes and it's far more powerful than this this brain of mine which sometimes wakes up happy and alert sometimes wakes up feeling really yucky and I can't feel God in anything so I read it doesn't take a long time I walk around the garden and I'll, I'll read God's word and it psh, renews my mind says there through, through reading God's word so that's just a little tip little tip to pass on and then I just wanted to um, oh yeah um, when you're all wonderful leaders in a few years time you know big churches lots of people or part of a leadership team just want you to remember what we learned about the body of Christ because people naturally want you to be they, they want you to be they want somebody in number one place to tell them what to do it's it's a sort of sort of natural thing um, and I think a good leader has to resist that and it says again in Ephesians that the leaders are there to bring everyone to maturity so that 
you won't be thinking, oh, there's a new teaching over there. It's not what we learned before. It doesn't quite tie in with this. Uh, and he says that they won't be swayed by the winds of doctrine. Um, the, the leadership is there to bring everybody uh, into maturity. I can't remember which chapter it is now. Chapter. Anyway, it's there somewhere. One of, one of Paul's gems. So just to, you know, just remember that. And to encourage everyone to find their own gift. Like we said, uh, remember the cricketer that lost his toe? Took him a long time to uh, to to uh, learn to walk again and balance again. That toe was important, and even the what you might call the the small gifts in a church are important. So when you're leaders, just remember that. And then uh, I just want to talk a little bit about prophecy because that's been very important to me um, over the years. Because Scuddle from time to time he'll send clear words that will stand the test of time lots of prophecy just seems to um, come and go and get blown about but the ones that are really powerful um, stay with us so for instance let, let me read you this one there was a, um, back in the about 1970 when what we call the charismatic revival happened here and the Holy Spirit came and we always used to talk about God the Father and God the Son but talking about God the Holy Spirit you didn't hear anybody preach on that it was a bit bit uh, dodgy it was for the, um, the Pentecostals you know who were wild <laughs> the evangelicals didn't and then uh, to us it started in, um, in a university in Sh- Chicago with a Catholic Catholic name I don't know if it was a, a Catholic group but they were praying and suddenly wow they were speaking in tongues it was like it was like the day of Pentecost all over again and um, there's a guy who wrote a book and he wanted to disprove it that this tongues business was, was a load of rubbish and he was he, he, he was a lingu- linguist you know in, in, he understood languages so he went around with his tape recorder and he got people to speak in tongues and then he went and examined it and he said it's good some of these languages I can recognise um, even though some of them are very unusual not spoken by very many people in in Africa or <coughs> South America or whatever you know up in, in the jungles or whatever some of them I can't understand but because I'm a linguist I can tell that it, it is a language and he himself although it, it was a Christian book sceptical he he got as we say sold on the idea and he wrote a book called They Speak With Other Tongues and this book went went all, all over the place all over the all over the world I think all over the western world and this um, Holy Spirit revival spread but it was still in England not sort of thing that you would talk about too much so Sue and myself because because we read that book it was quite funny really because I'd read it and I got to the last chapter and um, it, w- it was like a do it yourself baptism in the Holy Spirit so um, he was talking about Peter in the boat and Jesus wanted Peter to do a miracle and step out of the boat and walk on the water unlike in the shack where he actually holds his hand uh, doesn't even hold his hand uh, in the real, real life he says come to me Peter 
and Peter could have sat there in the boat and just not gone and never would have walked on the water but because he stepped out and made that step um, so he's saying come on I'd, I'd, I'd almost finished the book and I remember saying to Sue um, I'm going upstairs to finish this book do not disturb me you know it could be several hours but I will press through and find I think it's about five minutes and I just got right Lord I'm just going to trust you stepping out of the boat then opening my mouth for a start and out it came and I'm speaking in tongues and then my mind it's like almost like my mind was over here somewhere listening to this thinking don't feel anything so my brain didn't feel the thing it was it was you know it was like it was from here through, through my mouth and um, so I was away and then I came downstairs after half an hour and Sue said well I said yeah you finished the book and yeah it, it works oh. she said not saying a lot Sue doesn't say a lot so um, she said afterwards the next day she said I waited till you got got to sleep then I got your book and went downstairs and read it and she said it was like a bottle of champagne opening with her whoosh you know <laughs> but we didn't we didn't tell anyone else in church it would have caused you know divisions so um, we waited and there were other people in other churches that were the same and we used to meet together you know for encouragement travel over to near Warrington Lee somewhere and meet, meet up you know times like that um, and around about at that time there was there were a couple of guys very very important one was called David Watson who started this um, this dance and theatre thing he, he wanted people to come into Manchester from the churches and, and witness in the streets doing dance and drama and he was a very respected Church of England vicar in York uh, just opposite the cathedral there's a, a lovely old church 1700 or something and um, he was a vicar there very charismatic they used to um, Sunday, Sunday evening they used to go out and dance at about half past five and do dramas and a crowd would gather and then they'd say come on in then, come into church and lots of people did uh, so he was very important because he was respected by the Church of England a strong, strong evangelical who they knew he was very sound in doctrine uh, but also you know helped um, the charismatics and then there was another, another lady called Jean Darnell and she came over to Europe and God said to her she was in a hotel with a daughter and God said to her I want you to be a mother to this new movement that's happening over here she said oh, I want to go back to America no no I want you to uh, to stay here and do this job for me now I love this bit um, I love this bit when the prophet hasn't a clue about what's happening so she said to her daughter right uh, let's have a look at the map and if we're going to stay in Europe we'll decide where to stay so she looked at the map and she said Germany is further south or part of it anyway than England so it will be warmer in the winter in Germany so she obviously didn't have a clue about things didn't know about the Gulf Stream that, uh, that keeps us warm like a hot water bottle and wet <laughs> in Manchester um, but then she came to England eventually and she said um, she told us that she'd had this property prophecy when I was 
what I saw was the British Islands as if I'm looking down as a bird's eye view and there was a kind of fog like a green fog everywhere and then little pinpricks of light began to appear from the top of Scotland all the way down to Land's End the bit there that you fall into the sea then the Lord seemed to draw me closer to these lights and I saw that they were fires that were burning they were multiplying from the top of Scotland to Land's End in Cornwall then I saw lightning come strike those fires <coughs> the brightest spots particularly <coughs> there was a kind of explosion and rivers of fire flowed down from Scotland to Land's End but some of those rivers didn't stop there they went right across the channel and didn't stop there they spread out into the continent of Europe the Lord told me on my heart that those fires were groups of people who we would make very hungry for New Testament Christianity they'd start reading their Bibles and saying as they read Acts where is this happy church where are these people full of the power of the Holy Spirit where are the miracles where is this growth this vitality this courage this boldness that these people have is it for today can we have it today should the church be this way and then the Lord Jesus said he would make them very hungry for the Holy Spirit he would fill them with the Holy Spirit and out of those gifts would flow ministries that would enrich the body of Christ the whole idea of the body of Christ would come alive and the walls between the denominations different types of Christians would break down as people met each other he would move these people all over the country after he had taught them about gifts they would then go to another place where they could follow, uh, carry the fire where they would meet others who were being renewed by the Holy Spirit he would put them in different situations so they get to know people of other denominations and cultures he would test them there would be great testing of faith great waiting times he would teach them spiritual warfare he would show them the meaning of the power of the blood of Jesus the name of Jesus the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit so what I think God, God does with prophecy is to, is to encourage you particularly sometimes it's to give you direction straight away but very often it's to encourage you when nothing seems to be happening much so she's prophesied there there'll be great times of waiting so sometimes I'll be tempted to think not much is happening um, are we on the right track and then you think of a prophecy like that that Jean don't know there will be great times right Lord okay now the other thing I feel with prophecy is it's not just to leave it down there it's, it's as if it's written in the sky and you have to grab it and pull it down this is for us you know um, God helps those that help themselves or that's not fully the truth in that but God helps those that help themselves to the prophecy and, and bring it down and, and claim it okay so I do that again and again and the other thing she said later on is that this would then go out to the man on the street um, people would get saved in England there would be great changes in, in Britain and it would flow out to the to the continent so that, that prophecy has meant an awful lot over there. it's now 40 nearly 50 years since uh, since she said it 
and about five years ago she came back to the northeast near, near Newcastle and uh, I think it was Darlington and she was on the platform um, fiery old lady came and gave her a chair don't need that <laughs> you know she was about 80 and she said remember the prophecy uh, that I gave you and then she said well it's a bit like when parents see their children growing up and they don't really see the change but then Auntie Mabel comes and says wow not seen little Freddy for four months now and hasn't he grown you know he's got all his teeth and whatever they, they see the difference and she said it's like that I've come back to this country and she said you've forgotten how bad it was how isolated Christians were they all had walls around them you know different churches uh, particularly between Protestants and Catholics they wouldn't have anything to do with each other and uh, you know look at it now the evangelicals thought we had the truth Pentecostals thought they had the Holy Spirit and God had rejected the rest of the church very humbling for the Pentecostals when that charismatic uh, renewal came and uh, it didn't come through them at all <laughs> I think a bit, maybe a bit of pride that had to that, that had to go but he said now just like Auntie, Auntie Mabel seeing little, the little one I can see in this country that what God gave me is happening and has happened but he said there's still things to see because um, she said I saw that it would go out to the man on the street this gospel powerfully thousands say and then the newspaper the no she didn't say that she said the media would get it now in those days our media to us meant television and radio and newspapers that was the media but now there's more there's more news spread through young people in particular that baffle older people like me they get on the sites you know and then they have hits and then it's just like it's just like an, an atomic bomb, isn't it? That goes to there, it spreads there, over to there, that spreads again. And whew, within a day or two, you know, the amount of news that goes out. So that's part. I think that that is part of the media. That is part of the you know spreading of the word that that God will, God will use and seems to be using. Um, there's another one that was very very special to me in. The last great revival in, in Britain was around about 1930-something, I think it was, and there was a guy called Duncan Campbell, um, and he went. He felt called by God to go to the little islands up off the coast of Scotland. We went once and it rained and rained and Sue vowed she would never, ever, ever go again, <laughs> <laughs> until we got to the Isle of Skye, and then that was gorgeous but the Hebrides um, and it starts off with Barra got lovely beaches nothing else the trees grow at an angle of 60 degrees because of the wind and then you go to Uist and then you come to an island of Harris and then Lewis and he went to those islands and, and, and preached the gospel and he was going and coming back from different places and there was one in particular where it happened more than once he would go and not knowing anybody and the church would be full and he would say what's happening we're waiting waiting for, for you Mr Campbell but I, I never told anyone I was coming oh the Holy Spirit told them but there were two old ladies one was totally blind and she just like, talked with God all day long you know 
almost forgot to eat I think at times um, and he said you know he's coming so everything was ready and you know the whole town uh, would get saved the whole the whole village would get saved and at that time or just after he gave a prophecy and he said in Ireland there will be a time of troubles followed by a time of revival now he just used that word troubles and what he didn't realise that in the 1960s and 70s that almost civil war broke out and the Irish call it the troubles um, it, the word troubles means that the troubles is that was that period that, that was its title he didn't know it when he said it and every so often like now for instance there is time of difficulty in Northern Ireland because the parliament collapsed, the agreement collapsed there's talk of it now being ruled by Westminster again and uh, or there's the occasional murder because there's a lot of hatred still and revenge, revenge killings uh, some of the IRA groups never formally said uh, to peace, there's some amazing miracles, the leaders of the IRA um, became almost best friend with the, um, the Reverend, what's it called? Ian Paisley. Ian Paisley, who was very, very, you know, fiery Protestant character with not a lot of tact. And they sit down together. Well, they did, but they've, uh, they've both died now. Jerry Adams. No, Jerry Adams is still alive, and uh, the other one, can't anyway. Um, so every time I read anything in the paper, you know, it looks a bit. Sorry, so some of the IR groups, independent ones, never signed up to the to the peace agreement. So they are still there, and every so often, you know, a bomb will go off, and it looked like the whole thing could go. So I just got over that prophecy. Lord, you said to a guy that didn't know the relevance of the word, there will be a time of troubles followed by revival. Lord, we've had the troubles. No more troubles and there's authority in it you see you're getting hold of what God said to uh, Duncan Campbell pulling it down there Lord we want the revival it's time for the revival we've had the troubles get the idea so that's, uh, that's why prophecy is important to me and the other one was the um, oh one more there's a guy in, in Uganda um, <clears throat> I don't know if you, before you were born in, uh, in Uganda there was a horrible guy set up by the British, we're very good at this setting up um, dictators he didn't seem such a bad guy right? and he was called Idi Amin so the guy before him was bad so British helped get rid of him and set this guy up and he just he was just evil he threw his wife, or one of his wives to the crocodiles, I think she was a Christian, and the Christians were living in fear because he wanted to create a Muslim state in, in Uganda so there's a guy we know um, here, Arnold, comes occasionally, and he says they were they were meeting in the in the woods, in the forest, uh, for their prayer meetings, hiding away from him. And during this time, they said, I think it was over a period of days, and they were going without food, they were fasting, praying for Uganda, and then they felt God saying, I want to stay, I think it was another day or a few more hours, pray some more, but not for Uganda. I wanted to pray for Europe. So you think, if I were there, I'd say, why, Lord, you know, <laughs> we need the prayers, not there. Anyway, they didn't argue, they prayed, and this guy called John Melindy 
uh, that we met he said he had a, a similar picture and he looked down on Europe and it was like a big map of Europe and then it started to um, I don't know the German crinkle up like that and it formed little hills little mountains like volcanoes and out of the volcanoes horrible black evil stuff would pour out and it became like a, a thick uh, fog all, all over Europe and then light began to shine and he said it, it was actually shining in, in Britain but he said don't think you British it's because you're any any better than anyone else it's just God's plan it's God's strategy okay a bit like with Jean Darnell and the light and he said and then the light spread and well it didn't so much spread it got brighter and brighter and it was like a shining light it, it pierced the darkness you know in all directions and the nations could choose the light or the, or the darkness so when I hear of um, things perhaps not going so well in um, in Europe particularly the atrocities you know that have been and the the immense burden that's being carried particularly by German Germany about refugees and um, a lot of the uh, the militants that smuggled their way in as, as refugees you know dark things happening maybe in politics as well Lord we want the light to shine we're not, we're not having the darkness forever we want the light to shine so psh, pulling that one pulling that one down and then the other one that's important to me is um got the guy's name but he wrote he's, he's written several books an American guy and he, he had this picture Rebecca will remember because she's got brilliant memory he had this picture of this bridge going from England to Germany no I can't remember his name the name I don't know oh right um, I know and, the story but yeah he said he said we called it the London Bridge because Everyone's in Europe, you say London Bridge, they all think of, you know, Tower Bridge, which is wrong actually, that's Tower Bridge, London Bridge is a bit further up. Made of Sorry? No, no, it was an American, American guy. Um, and he said um, there needed to be, there needs to be a unity between in the, the British church and the German church, and people go that way and people will go that way in order to spread the gospel through Europe and, and beyond. And he said, the reason is that because of history, there are things, there are places that the Germans won't be welcoming. People won't listen to the boys. But equally, surprise, surprise to you British, there are places where the British won't be welcome, but Germans will. You know, because they all, the British Empire that, that, uh, that we used to have. Um, because there's always bad people, you know, in any in any situation. So anyway, saying a unity is needed. So it was one of those prophecies we heard, and it sort of stuck a little bit. Um, and then Timo and Ruth came o over here, and he was the youth pastor at the time um, for us. And then his his ministry, you know, group. And uh, after a few months, we suddenly, ah, oh, I remember that prophecy. Uh, oh yeah, the bridge. We're part of it. And then, where 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 he is now? They had a couple of years ago, last year, they had a similar prophecy, uh, never having heard of the first one, I don't think, and uh, that there would be a link. And it wouldn't just be England; it would be the northwest 
uh, of England. So again, something, Lord, want that to happen more and more. So that's why, to me, this school's been very, very important. It's been uh, the majority of the students, I think that's right, have been, uh, have been from Germany. They're back in Germany now. It's brilliant. So the authority we have, you know, with, with prophecies and the authority we have, you know, with God's word. And then what I always tell them, you guys on the, on the last day, when you go back to uh, probably a great time, great time here, and it, you know it's a lively, not biggest church I think, or Manchester, but you know one of the friendliest, one of the liveliest. And I'm sure you you've learned things. And it's um, never get discouraged, you know, when when you go back and you find, you know, it might be hard in your little village church or whatever. Because um, it's a bit like uh, in a general election, you've got a vote. So um, I went, what time you voted for, but it was the first time I voted for that particular party in my life, and uh, in the last election. I had a vote, because I live in England, I was born in England, I've got a vote. Um, so I've got a vote in the spiritual, spiritual world, and you have. So very often I'll go out in my garden, Lord, your kingdom come. Now it's a very important verse to me and it's very often said very very quickly in the Lord's Prayer um, Our Father who art in heaven help me on it. Your kingdom come, your will be done I think, whoa, 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 whoa Hold on a minute Jesus wouldn't tell us to pray your kingdom come if it was just a meaningless thing to say He told us to say that because we've got authority so I'll go in my garden, Lord, I've got a vote here. I've got a spiritual vote. And I'm voting, your kingdom come. And I'm voting, fulfil your word through these prophecies. So when you go back home, you do that. Go in your, in your garden or your balcony on your flat. Lord, I've got a vote in Germany. Your kingdom come. Whatever's happening in whatever European Parliament or uh, atrocities, whatever. Your kingdom come. Don't be discouraged because sometimes, like Gene Darnell says, you know, it takes time. It wants a new generation to get praying. Your kingdom come. Amen. Amen. Thus endeth. Thank you for listening to the Destiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.